Good morning. It's uh, Simon Clark, uh, CEO of American Lithium, uh, giving an update from our, our Tonopar office in Nevada. Uh, as you'd remember, American Lithium is a developer of lithium in the Americas with two development stage projects, TLC in Nevada, Falchani in Peru. And at the same time, we, we have a very intriguing uranium asset as well in Peru that, um, that we've also been advancing. That you do, Simon, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But I think right now, people are excited about the lithium. Um, I'm looking at the markets. People are nervous about what's going on, risk off, um, you know, not much action on the equities. However, industry seems to be getting on with the business of doing business. We've seen four to a couple of weeks ago, sign, sign a, 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 an agreement, binding agreement to secure some of their lithium needs. We're seeing OEMs across the board kind of moving up the food chain, as it were. Um, that must give you some degree of comfort in an equities market like this, does it? Uh, it, it, it gives me a lot of comfort. I mean, the last major downturn in the lithium side um, directly followed the commodity going down. I mean, if you remember, lithium carbonate at the end of um, 20. 20 was uh, $6,500 a ton on the spot. Today, it's over 70. So, yeah, I mean, the last downturn was for different reasons. You know, this, the the industry is doing better than ever. I mean, you just have to look at Albemarle and Livent's results. I think I think Albemarle had three, three um, uh, increases in guidance within a short period of time. And the other interesting thing, if you look at their results of their, there's been their ability to move a lot of their, their contracts. I mean, lithium as a market is pretty young. So although you have a spot market, most of it is on forward contracts. And so a number of the producers have been able to move those contracts up significantly. We're, we're hearing well over $30,000 a ton. So the sector's doing well. Uh, the producers are making a lot of money. Um, by definition, the rest of us are really relatively early stage because we're, you know, either explorers or developers and looking to bring projects into production. And so in a risk off trade, we've been hit somewhat by the risk off trade, but the overall sector uh, it continues to do extremely well. The commodity is very strong. It continues to be a, a deficit on the demand supply side. Um, and the other thing you're seeing in spades, Matt, is M&A. You're seeing, as you pointed out, you're seeing the the autos and then users vote with their feet, uh, secure offtake, secure investments in earlier stage companies. Um, and, and you're also seeing the quality assets around the world, particularly South America, get snapped up. We saw Plus Patrol being sold um, to Gang Feng, if you remember. Uh, Lithium America's bought Millennial, which is the other side of that uh, Salah. So you're seeing quality assets leave and uh, lots of interest in those that remain. So well, a very good time in the sector. It's a very good time, driven by high, high prices, uh, continuing the high prices. Um, but there's, I'm intrigued about how a company like you takes advantage of that, or at least reads or navigates that that e ecosystem, right? So M&A happening, the big boys are coming into companies that prove that they can produce economic levels of lithium. Awesome. Companies like you need, you know, I know you're sitting on whatever, 45, 46 million of cash, but you need to dip back into the market occasionally, but you need to be investable. So how do you, 
How do you paint that picture for the finance guys as you kind of move, you know, through the phases? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, as I said, I think firstly there is a dearth of quality projects globally. Um, Yes, we have to do more work de-risking our projects, but the, the, the you know especially Falchani is at, a, at an advanced stage. Um, there's lots of interest, you know, strategically in that, and um, and also in TLC. Um, but I think you know we're not going to get the the full value yet for TLC until we come out with our maiden PA, which. You know, we've been working diligently on it's taken a little longer than we'd have liked with COVID and other delays, but um, we're, we're, we're close and DRA Global is driving that. So I think that'll be a big milestone for us in the US. I think in in, in Peru, it's really been more about um, ability to get in and do work um, really with, um, you, you know, difficult uh, conditions from the perspective of getting permits approved with Lots of changes in in in, uh, in cabinet and government people, but we're starting to get traction there now. We're going to be doing a bunch more drilling, as you would have seen. We're moving it into feasibility. So, long-winded answer, but I think for us, it's to continue to focus on advancing the project and de-risking. You know what Plus Patrol showed um, that transaction is that uh, you know the buyers are are, are getting. More, you know, they're going further up chain. They're buying projects. I think that one was was even pre PEA, um, and uh, so again, I think all we can do is continue to stick to our knitting. We've had significant strategic interest. I think we'll continue to to get that, and you know, as we demonstrate that these truly are world class assets. Because like your sector is a very technical one. You know, you to, pr to produce what you need to produce, it's a fairly technical. Thing compared to say precious metals, right? You you really dig it out the ground, and the processing is well understood, and it's been around a long time. And you know each, each asset is, is, is has its own technical peculiarities and, and challenges. So um, again, a lot of companies talking about being able to produce lithium in whatever form that they're claiming won't necessarily be able to. So the companies that can or can demonstrate that they have de-risked their projects will become even more valuable in, in this environment. So do you mind just sort of giving us an update on um, yeah. the, 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 I know the PFS, uh, you, you've, let's focus on Peru for just for a second, right? So you've, you've yeah. got a couple of assets there which have some value, which you, you, you've acquired last year, but how, how do you, in a Peruvian context, you've referenced some you know, changes in cabinet, et cetera, as well as the technical challenges. How do you, how do you move that ahead and you know, to what end? Yeah, so I mean, as you remember, when we acquired Falchani or or, or Plateau, um, the reason we really liked it is it's one of the few global projects that has proven that it can produce battery grade lithium. Um, it precipitates it through the flow sheet, so you don't have need for further refining or upgrading, um, which is a which is a huge tick box. And you know, if you remember the the um, the issues they had around ownership of some concessions, I think, um, blinded a lot of the market to that. I mean, Plateau, uh, you, you know, was dealing with those issues. It, its shareholders were tired, um, and I think I think we got an incredible asset at a great price. So, for us, Falchani has always been 
at the point where it should be in feasibility. Um, we've now started that on the environmental side. The other piece we need to do at Falchani is to get out there and drill um, because before we can actually uh, move the whole project into through feasibility, we have to convert our resource to reserves. So we need to do some infilling to to move the resource to to M and I, and then that allows us to do the reserve. So, if you like, we've got a dual track going. We've 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 launched into feasibility by um by by getting our EIA going with with SRK. What that does in turn is it it does allow us to do some drilling around that, which is 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 based on hydrology, but will also give us a good insight into the asset. And we're expecting finally to get our full permits for the bigger program, <laughs> you know, anytime, which will then allow us, as I said, to excuse me, Matt. <coughs> it'll allow us to to update our PEA um, for from the resource perspective. But the other big piece that's never been done is the byproducts. Um, we've never factored in uh, SOP. Uh, which is a major strategic uh, mineral in a Peruvian context. They, you know, the Ukrainian conflict has really not only impacted fuel prices for a lot of countries, it's the fertilizer side is massive in a country that has a big agricultural sector. So if they can source SOP domestically, it'll be a, a huge strategic tick. And then as, as we always talked about, the other one is cesium. So, you know, we have this dual track where we're we're updating the PA, but all at the same time launching firmly into feasibility, and the two will come together. And again, because of the work that's done, we see um, moving through pre pre feasibility at uh, Falchani very quickly. Right, and um, obviously you've got a, you've got a whole bunch of money uh, available to you at the moment, and it was great. So, how how much is it going to cost you to get that through to a completed feasibility study? What's the timeline on that? Yeah, so I I, I mean the drilling, um, the drilling that we that we you know that we're looking to do this year, we're probably somewhere in the four to five million dollar range. Um, you know, the okay. byproduct work, we've already done the SOP as we announced. We're now fully on the cesium side. So, you know, that's not so much. So updating the PEA, a few hundred grand, and then the feasibility study itself will involve some kind of pilot. Um, as we've always talked about, we would likely do that with uh, with our lab at Ansto in, uh, in Sydney. Um, They've had some challenges with COVID, as you know, in Australia, but um, they're back fully up and running. And so we would look to do what Bacanora and others have done and actually fast track the piloting by doing it under lab conditions. But I don't want to belittle it. It's actually these are large. It's not a tiny lab scale pilot. It's a proper, you know, bench scale pilot with, um, you know, which will provide everything we need, um, as I say, to get through pre-feasibility. So we would look to tie that up as we move through next year. Okay, talk, talk to me about the EIA process, because South America right now seems in, in um, a little bit of turmoil in mm -hmm. Colombia, Chile, you know, you, you name it. Every, every country's you know, got, got its own issues, and, and I, I guess... As a, as a CEO, you probably tell me it's, it's the same all around the world at, at the moment. And I, I probably believe you. Um, but the <laughs> e, e, EIA, um, 
is prevalent because not just in the context of the kind of you know ESG movement, whatever whatever one thinks of that, but we've seen governments appoint um, people who are perhaps a little bit anti-mining. I've read, you know, where you know by, by some groups and perhaps a little bit, a little bit too um, punitive in, in, in others. And I, I, you know, I don't want to point at any one country or any any, any people specifically, but mm-hmm. in that environment, mining seems to have got tougher in the last sort of 10, 15 uh, years. For, for right or for or, or for or for wrong, um, it, it it is tougher. It's more expensive. It's more. It takes more time to get get things done. It seems, is that do you think to the detriment of the mining industry, or do you think actually mining just needs to be held accountable, and you guys need to up your game? Listen, it's uh, we, we see it in the U.S. as well. Um, you know, there's lots of money uh, coming in from the government, but you know, the big thing that needs to happen, you know, again by definition, I mean, you look in the U.S., so probably somewhere around half a percent of the world's lithium as a raw material is is mined in the US. So, but there's half a dozen major uh, potential mines, um, you know, including TLC in Nevada that, you know, with a, as long as the, it doesn't get held up in years of permitting, will be in production over the next two, three, four years. Um, And that can make a really meaningful difference, but you know, they if it gets mired in red tape and permitting, then that's going to take a long time. So there's this there's this mix. Everyone wants to move to electric vehicles and the new economy, but that necessarily involves more mining. So our goal and re- the reason that we've always in 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 Nevada, for example, really showcased. TLC's environmental benefits is because you know clearly if you if you if you don't have endangered species or plants and you know um, major cultural difficulties you've got a, a, a fair chance of moving through the process quickly. I think you're also seeing a will now from the 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 government in the U.S. to help without dropping the environmental requirements or anything like that, but. You know, you can fast track permitting by running a bunch of the processes in parallel rather than in series. So, you know, it's um, I, I think you're going to see it come, Matt, because it has to. I think in some South American countries, which I know is where you started, I mean, the issue is more at the community level often. And if you think of the high salas in the in the deserts of South America, in Argentina, Chile and Bolivia, um, Water is at such a premium there that you that, that you have a bunch of communities, despite the benefits that these operations can bring, that are very anti them because of the um, the, the the impact on water in particular. So, you know, I think that's I think that's a major issue. And I, uh, and yes, some of the changes in the government don't help. I, I mean, I look at Peru. Peru is a historic strong mining jurisdiction it's got a strong mining code for all the talk um from the 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 left when they you know during the last elections you can't nationalize mining in peru because the um the constitution doesn't allow the government to be involved in mining so what you would have to do is you would have to change the constitution which good luck getting that through a center-right parliament 
et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, from our perspective, that's not been the challenge in Peru. It's really just been the fact that you have a minority government that's been clinging to power and they've made a lot of changes in, in, in a number of the ministers. And so as you try and get permits signed, um, there's a revolving door of personalities and people. So it's not exclusive to us. I think people on the exploration and development time uh, side are seeing longer timelines for permits. As I said, I think we're largely through that now. Um, but uh, but the producers in Peru are, are, are making money hand over fist, whether it's copper, you know, the commodities have done well. So, so a, a long-winded argument. I think ESG is really important. I think you've got to have the right environmental practices. But first and foremost, you've got to have your communities on side, which we do. Um, and, you know, you've got, ideally you're in a country where there's a strong mining code and, you know, for all the political back and forth, Peru has a strong mining code and, uh, and, and practices. The, no, I, I agree, I agree with a lot of what you just said there, but, um, again, just sticking with Peru for just a little bit longer, you, you, you think that it, Winning people over locally is really important because it's the you know it's them that gets affected. Um, the politics at federal level, I, I guess, um, it depends who, who's in power and what, what the flavor of the day is. It seems broadly in South America and honestly just Peru at the moment. Um, but it's very difficult for foreign direct investment to look into scenarios, situations like that, and go, do you know what? I'm really comfortable allocating my capital to a company in South America at the moment. I mean, how hard, so how much pushback are you getting from um, your institutional investors about your strategy in South America, having just recently, in the last 12 months, acquired the, these Peruvian assets, or do they take it as a kind of cyclical long-term plan? First off, I uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I, I, I think, um, I think there's a good deal of patience because they recognize the size of the prize with these assets. I think Peru does genuinely, despite some of the political turmoil, I think it genuinely scares investors, maybe less than Chile, you know, even Mexico on the lithium side. And, you know, certainly Argentina without the ability to get money out easily. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, I think they, still see Peru as better than that. Um, in a risk-off market, though, it, you know, you may be, you're definitely not getting the value that we would if these assets were in North America or Europe or or wherever. But I, I do think that'll change. And I think the scale of the asset, I mean, it, this has the potential, in our view, to be the biggest lithium-producing asset in South America. Um, it's a hard rock. We're in an area of plentiful water. Um, there's decent infrastructure where... 40 minutes from the two oceans highway there's deep ports on the pacific there's a lot of things that make sense and you know and i think the ability to and and again falchani is not about the grade it's like a low grade pegmatite but the way the lithium is hosted in a volcanic glass it's very pure so when you come to do your met work it's a relatively simple process to extract it and the lack of impurities is what enables us to precipitate without too much work or too much difficulty and again i'm belittling the technical work that went on you can produce a battery grade that is now approaching 99.9 percent .9 on the purity side so 
you know, that's a great asset. And I, th I, I think people are prepared to be a bit patient. Um, but, I, but I do acknowledge that in this risk-off market, Peru may not be the first choice of, uh, of, of a number of investors. But, but you're saying the, the scale of the opportunity, because it comes back to that thing of, you know, people understanding, you know, high grade versus low grade versus versus the ease of pro processing and the, and the cost of processing. So it's okay. I think you emphasize it's sixth largest hard rock lithium deposit globally. So that's big. Um, it's, it's a question of, you know, how quickly are you able to, you know, confirm the, economics around this thing, the speed at which it gets to market, and you know, mm -hmm. the sorts of conversations that you're able to have now or at that point, um, reflecting where we started this conversation, which was OEMs moving upstream, supplying secure uh, supply chains, um, price, lithium prices across the board going up. You know, how do you insert yourself into that ecosystem with, with this asset? Is it possible or is it going to be one of those sort of stranded political projects? Well, it, it, it's a great question. And, and, and Matt, I would say, I mean, you are forgetting that there are a bunch of buyers in the world that have no issues with a bit of political turmoil. Um, you know, we have a lot of, when we bought this asset, I think as, as I've mentioned previously, we were, we were up against a Chinese buyer, um, and there continues to be significant Chinese interest. Um, so, you know, just because some political turmoil might put off Western buyers, or it it doesn't mean that there's not going to be interest in the asset. And in fact, since we bought it, there is more and more interest in it. Um, there's also a number of large players in countries. So, you know, the, I, what I would say is the universe of investors and buyers of lithium projects has has grown. So, you know, I think if we if if we did look to sell Falchani, and you know, it's not we think there's a bunch of value we can bring through continuing to de-risk it and move it forward here in in a relatively quick time frame, but. If we were, I'm I'm convinced there would be. Well, I know there'd be a number of very interested parties. Right, I, that's what we want to hear. We want to hear competitive tension because that drives yep. the price up. That's always good, um, and we want to hear that you can continue to extract value f from it in the current yeah. current environment. You've got the cash to do it. Um, so look, I guess we're also going to step back and, and, and see, see what comes with the pre-fees pre work um, there. Um, just on the uranium, I know we've talked in the past, you know, you know, and it would a case of, well, do, do we keep it, extract more value? Do we flip it and, and, and extract value? Has, has your, well, is it a discussion at, at, your, at your monthly board meetings or quarterly board meetings with the, how you treat that, given again, for, the, the vagaries of the uranium market at the moment? For sure. I mean, it's a, I think what's become clear to to me since we we acquired Plateau is that that Makassani asset is, you know, probably larger and better than we even thought. I mean, as we, you know, yes, we've not been able to do much drilling in recent times, but we've done a lot of field work, which continues to expand the the, the targets on the uranium side as well as as well as on the lithium side. If you remember, this is a massive plateau. Um, and um, so I, my, and, and the pre-concentration work that we've been able to do, again, if you look at the last PA on, on Makassani, it's, it's, it's extremely robust. It's got one of the lowest OPEXs on the planet. Um, and, you know, 
we now, I think, through the pre-concentration work, I think that PEA covered about 50% of the asset because of the head grade. And again, people do get hung up on grade. That, you know, especially in uranium, um, we sit right at surface. We need very little acid. You don't need to have massively hot acid or whatever. Uh, the op costs at $17 a pound make this one of the most attractive projects on the planet. And what we've seen is it's only going to get bigger in terms of size. So that all said, we probably, you talked about us not getting much value for Peru in, in general, whether it's on the lithium side, I would say within a lithium developer, a uranium asset is going to, is, is going to get even less attention. And it's, you know, this was an asset that I think had somewhere like 120, 130 million cap before Fukushima when its resource was 10 million pounds. Well, it has a combined resource of about 126 million pounds today. I think the market's going to continue to strengthen here. So for us, we've not been in a rush. We want to make sure we have all of the admin done in-house. In we know the right way to do to, to do it. And we're going to do it at the right time to, to maximize value for shareholders. And I, I would imagine that would be over the next six to nine months. Um, assuming the market doesn't completely fall out of bed and you know it wouldn't make sense to do it if it if it does so you know we are really putting ourselves in a position to have the flexibility to to, to pull the trigger on that um you know when when we feel that the market is right and that this project will get the support that it deserves and we're seeing we continue matt to see loads of interest in it i mean i think uranium's it's that it's sitting there ticking along ticking a little bit higher um but i think cameco recently described the setup in the uranium market as the best ever so you know i think we're going to see a big run here at some point and you know we've always said our goal is to make sure that we maximize value from this asset not only for the company but for our shareholders so we we would do you know we would look at transactions that would do that it, it's interesting, actually. You're right. People look at low-grade projects and they kind of d dismiss it. And, and you know, we've spoken to uranium uh, or companies with uranium assets in Newfoundland, low-grade, low Namibia, Niger, um, and obviously, you know, yours kind of is, is of a similar make. But it it's about the re return on capital invested. It's it's you know you you I think just remember you you're a plus forty percent. IRR, yep. you know, and yep. you're, you're talking about six million pounds per year for ten years' life of mine, based on the PEA, which obviously you yep. know, you say is only fifty percent of the the the, um, the the asset. It, it's 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 interesting. Compare that to some North, the, the best of the North American projects at the moment, one million pounds per year. So it's 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 it, it's meaningful if you can show that you have de-risked it technically and that any licensing permitting issues are, don't get in the way of this and that you can finance this through to, you know, a, a, a DFS, right? So that, that's, that's what you got to show the, yeah. show the market. It would then be one of the larger projects globally if you can do that. So easy, easy, easy to forget sometimes. I, I, I absolutely, Matt. What, what I would say, and, and you, and you, I mean, you'll understand this. Lithium is a very challenging mineral. Um, there's, there's, there's plenty of lithium in the world. Um, 
but there's not a lot of lithium that you can extract and that you can extract economically. That's that's the issue. It's challenging. It's often a science project. Uranium, yes, you know, people think of uranium and nuclear and there's that side of it. So there's complexity from that. But the way this uranium is hosted at surface, um, now that we've also been able to prove that we can pre-concentrate, you know, you can bring that other 50% of the resource into the uh economics extend the mine or improve the economics or both um but it's it, it it's a it will be a relatively simple operation it's low capex it's low opex um yes it's at four and a half thousand meters but you know you look at the number of mines in chile and peru that are at that altitude um it's very doable so i'm not trying to say anything is easy in the mining world but um you know this this would be one of the more straightforward deposits to develop and uh, and move into production that's in interesting times interesting times um like i say you know you get a few 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 more baby steps to to go um before you can so i think people will start valuing that for you and reflecting that in your uh your enterprise value or, or, yeah. or market cap for sure um back up in nevada you we've referenced that u.s government um is seems very supportive broadly What's it actually like on the ground um, in Nevada? Because you know, we, we've heard some people saying it's it's just actually, if anything, it's got tougher to do business there. Are you finding any issues? I mean, the main issues we've had is securing drills um, and getting assays. The assay labs have, you know, it's taken us for some of our drilling up to six months. Um, and we've actually cured that by finding a new lab that... Um, you know, was starting out fully, um, you know, QC, QA. So everything's good on that front. It's a well-known group. Um, and our timing was good to get in there. So I think with that, we've managed to sort short circuit some of those issues. Um, you know, we find Nevada a, a great place to operate. I mean, there's, there's quality mining people. I, I, I mean, I, I think it would be, you know, lithium is so nascent that there's not that many quality lithium experts, if you like, out there. So I think, again, people should remember that when we acquired Plateau, we acquired, to my mind, two of the best in Lawrence and Ted, you know, guys who had discovered a new, unique lithium asset and taken it to battery grade within, within a two-year period. Um, and they learned a hell of a lot about lithium processing and unique styles of mineralization. And that's been a a big help for us um you know it's it's uh it's an it's a more challenging deposit in terms of the met side of things in falchani as i mentioned the purity of falchani is really intriguing um sedimentary clay stones you know you there are there are a number of impurities you have to deal with but the nice thing for us is none of those impurities are deleterious you don't have uranium or arsenic issues and it's just a process of moving it through the flow sheet. So that has taken some time, but we've made great project on that. And I think in DRA Global and ANSTO, we have two of the best um, technical organizations on the planet. Um, and ANSTO knows lithium and uranium backwards. I mean, that's their backyard. They're, they're Aussies. I mean, you know. Uh, it, they started out on the uranium side. They got a lot of the Aussie hard rock lithium players. Um, and then, you know, a lot of global com companies, again, like Bacanora, have used mm. them. And so 
they did a first-rate job at Falchani, and the issues, the only issues we've had is I just couldn't believe how smoked Australia really has been by COVID. I mean, I, I think if they had their time again, they'd probably deal with it a little bit differently. But um, it's ripped through them again, and so that that has caused us a few issues on uh, for delays. But in general, yeah, we might be a few months behind, but I think the progress we're making on the drilling and um, just we had a great team on the on, on the core drill that's been here. Um, you know, the results have been really good. I mean, we, we, we announced some initial results. We've been able to high grade um, some of the, 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 the resource and very much validate the scale. Because if you remember, that was a very large resource that the company put out. And I think it had some people scratching their heads. Well, I think the drilling we've done has really validated that and and built on that. So I think as we get into P, PA and beyond, you know, our ability to to um, have uh, you know know our mine plan and where we would we would start drilling and and mining and everything, um, you know, is clearer and clearer. So I, we we'd be making great progress. I mean, yeah, we live in a post-COVID world and. And there are some challenges with that, but um, Nevada has a lot of strong technical people. Um, yes, the permitting side of it, you have to jump through hoops, but um, you, we can do that. And um, and we know that we have to be best of breed on the environmental and cultural side. And you know whether it's because we're 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 Canadian by background, but we don't have any issues with that. And um, I'm not knocking anyone by that comment, but I, I think also for us, it's nice that we're a little bit behind Lithium Americas and, and Ioneer in terms of the development um, phases. And we've been able to learn a lot from, you know, the issues that they've seen. And, you know, we have a great relationship with those guys. I mean, my, my view is all of these projects and more have to be built. And, um, you know, we have very good relationships with them. We have a good relationship with Albemarle, who are just up the road at Silver Peak. So, you know, it's very, um, very interesting times. Um, you know, you'd have seen the IEA last week and what they're saying. Yeah. Um, these projects have to get built. And I think there is a real realization. I was at a roundtable event in Reno yesterday where they brought together um, government um, the developers like ourselves and Lithium Americas and Ioneer and we discussed how can we really drive this forward because Nevada has a huge opportunity to be a major player in the lithium world but you know you want to you've got Panasonic and Tesla with the factories and you need to just make sure the infrastructure and everything is around that but uh, I think Nevada is well positioned you know, to ultimately have a turnkey lithium, a, a big lithium um, producing base for, from soup to nuts, where you get the raw material, you process it, and maybe even recycling. I mean, you've probably seen the one of the founders of Tesla now driving the the Redwood complex here. So there's a a, a lot of a lot of people are waking up and understanding the benefits this can bring to Nevada and and America and you know as long as it's done right so again i think the beauty of tlc is its location and um you know the benign environmental and you know cultural environment that we think we have and that's not to disrespect anyone and 
we're doing all the work to validate and showcase that. Okay, like Simon, I appreciate the um, the update. Just want to sort of, sort of check in with you guys because I think the, it's, it's hotting up. Lithium's hotting up again, um, for sure. And it's really a case of the, uh, trying to identify the companies who can take advantage of that, who's going to stall and who's financially constrained and who's technically constrained. Um, it, it'll be an interesting race to the finish um, over the next 12 months, I suspect. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think you're right, Matt. I mean, it's it's great to see the sector doing as well. Um, but you know, like the IEA said, we you know we got to get on and we got to get these mines built. I mean, that's that's the key thing. There's no point in these mines coming on in five to ten years. You know, they've got to they've got to get the momentum. They have got to get the support. And I think um, you know it's taken some time, but I think the politicians are waking up to that. And you certainly can see that the end users. Are taking matters into their own hands. You're seeing the autos go up, changes. You're seeing a lot of the OEMs do that, and and that's going to continue. They need to secure these minerals and lithium. Lithium has been stated by many uh, major experts in the world as the key piece that you can't um, get around in in the battery. And so, if if you like, to my mind, it is the most critical of all the critical minerals. Powered by nuclear. There you go. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.